0: So first things, bit of bit of admin. Can I just get you to say your name and your affiliation, please? Yeah,
1: so my name is Luciano Rizzola. I am the chair of theoretical astrophysics at the Institute for Theoretical Physics at Frankfurt University in Germany.
0: Okay, so you're the, sorry, could you just say the affiliation again? <laughs>
1: um, it's the Institute for Theoretical Physics at the Frankfurt University in Germany.
0: Didn't have the Institute for Theoretical Physics bit, but there we go, that's in there now. Um, so yes, just as we're starting off, I will give an introduction um, to saying you and then we'll launch into your first question. If that's okay, are you good to go?
1: Yep, okay. sure.
0: Brilliant. Greetings, listeners. On today's episode of Radio Astronomy, I'm talking to Luciano Rizzola, an astrophysicist from the Institute of Theoretical Physics at Gotha University in Frankfurt, who has, spent his career search- who has spent his career researching relativity, gravity, and the effect of both of these on some of the universe's most mysterious inhabitants, black holes. He has recorded humanity's long history to understand these objects in his new book, due out in March, called The Irresistible Attraction of Gravity. Now, Luciano, that's a very evocative name, the irresistible attraction. And what is it about black holes that you particularly find so uh, irresistibly attractive and that you've spent so much time studying them?
1: Right. So, um, well, first of all, we, we all know that. Um, gravity attracts. Um, We know it attracts as a physical interaction. You know, things tend to fall on the ground rather than leaving it. Um, But the title wants to underline the fact that gravity also has an attraction on our minds, on our imagination. Um, It's a matter of, um, of fascination for us to try and understand this very basic force. In fact, this is the only force out of the four forces in nature of which we have a, a direct conscious conscious experience. you know other forces like the electromagnetic or the weak uh, or the strong forces they 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 certainly act on us, they allow us to be what we are, but we are not aware of them right we don't really know or measure every day. What is the, the force that is keeping the molecules together or our atoms together? We just know we are here. On the other hand, we have a physical uh, f- um, feeling, a feeling, f- physical experience with gravity because wherever we are, whether we are standing or sitting, there is something that is acting on us as a force. And so it, it's this attraction and, and this very special interaction that we have with gravity that is one of the, of the main motives behind this book. And actually, I even go as far as saying that we have um, a prenatal experience with gravity and we know about gravity well before we are born. Um, and to support this uh, rather bizarre conjecture, I use an evidence, which is the Moro reflex. The Moro reflex is a, a test, if a um, physiological tests that these apply to newborn babies, really just a few seconds born babies, uh, to check that the whole you know nervous system works all right. And what you actually do is you, you take the newborn baby, uh, you hold it, and then you subject it to um, like a free fall, or the, 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 uh, you simulate a free fall. And, and what you realise in doing so, of course you always keep this baby very carefully, but what you realise is that as a reaction to this, the baby opens up the arms and tries to clench to something. So this is telling you that, you know, when we are completely unaware of the world around us, we are completely uh, hopeless and harmless. We nevertheless able to, you know, react to gravity, to the acceleration of gravity. And that's because we actually have experience in our mother's wombs for, for nine months or so. So I think, you know, gravity has a... We have an in, a, a, an interaction with gravity which is far deeper than um, than we think, and this brings then us to why we find concepts like black holes so fascinating because well black holes are the champions of gravity, they are the most extreme manifestation of, of of this force, and they come up with a number of very bizarre behaviors and from you know a theoretical physics point of view also. A lot of headaches on, on, on some of the consequences about their existence mm.
0: and black holes are we've we've known about them for, for several decades now you know though they were, they were first theorized several decades ago why are they so difficult to study and why do we still know relatively little about them well
1: so um, we just... as a matter of fact Absolutely, we you know it, it's still very they are still very elusive. So the um, I, I, we actually know about these um, solutions uh, already a few months after Einstein's theory of gravity was suggested. Uh, Karl Schwarzschild, who actually was from Frankfurt, came up with a solution. It uh, is called the Schwarzschild solution. That actually now we know represents a a non-rotating black hole, but. For many years, uh, people did not understand what this solution was all about. And actually thought it was just, you know, a mathematical, uh, bizarre manifestation of this equation that had very little to, to do with reality, in particular with astrophysics, because it was predicting an object that, that was really behaving strange, like an object where light could stop, where time would slow down, and, and all of these very bizarre phenomena. And it was just in the 60s when... Um, we started to do you know observations in the x ray band and we realized there were objects that simply could not be explained with with stellar theory with the idea that you have these large stars um that that have you know like like the sun or even more massive the idea that we have objects that are extremely compact um and yet produce humongous amounts of radiation that's something that could not be explained with the understanding we had of stellar theory at that time. And so at that point, people started to think, okay, wait a second, there are, there are these bizarre solutions that predicted, uh, were predicted by Earth's relativity. Um, what if this is what we're looking at here? And that's you know why the idea of black hole all of a sudden uh, gained interest again in the 60s and then later on in the 70s when all of these beautiful studies were done about uh, black holes. Now the reason why they are so hard to observe is because by definition they are the most compact object you can produce. You take an object of a given mass and if you squeeze it in a volume which is sufficiently small at one point you will reach a volume so small that you will have to, to produce a black hole. Just to give you an example, suppose that we take the Sun and we compress it without losing any single atom in it, we just compress it. Well, if you compress it and compress it up to a radius of about three kilometers, then out of the Sun you would produce a black hole. And the same can be said of the Earth. If you compress it and compress it down to a, a diameter of a few centimeters, you will have produced a black hole. So producing black hole is all about concentrating in a very small region of space, a lot of mass. And because they are intrinsically compact, they are very small, and normally they are very large distances. So it's, you know, from an astronomical point of view, the projected size on the sky is extremely small. That's why it is so hard to see them. Besides, by definition, they cannot produce light. So they are elusive also from this point of view.
0: And because, as you said, black holes are black. They don't produce light. And, you know, one of the things that most people, the first things you learn about black holes is they're so dense that not even light can escape them. So how can we see these black holes? What is it actually we're looking at them when people are observing them?
1: Right. So what we actually see is the light that is produced by whatever material is around them that is actually falling onto them. As the material is falling onto it, onto a black hole, it will become denser, simply because uh, it will be confined to a smaller and smaller region, will become hotter or more energetic and will start shining. And so the light we see is the light of the material, which is outside of the black hole, maybe even very close to the black hole, but manages not to, to... To be emitted before entering into the black hole, and that's what we see, for instance, in the images of these supermassive black holes that the Event Horizon Telescope has uh, recently produced in 2019 and more recently last year in 2022. What we're seeing, you know, in this funny-looking donuts-shaped object, orange uh, objects, well, this is the light of an accretion disk, a disk of plasma that is rotating around a black hole and is slowly being accreted. And before it actually enters the black hole, it is emitting light, and that's the light we can actually see. So we don't have any a direct evidence of the light coming from a, a black hole because a black hole intrinsically cannot emit light. But the light that is emitted near it has very precise signatures, And from this signature, we understand that there is a black hole. eBay Motors is here for the ride.
0: And you mentioned there the, the uh, Event Horizon Telescope, which is, I know, a project that you were I- involved with. How, how were you involved with that project?
1: Right, so um, I, I am one of the you know, the first founders of this project back in, in 2014. And um, my job within the collaboration is that of the theorist. Um, so the Event Horizon Telescope is, is a fantastic collaboration which requires a lot of expertise you need to have people who are able to perform the actual radio-astronomical observations, and you need people who are able to convert these observations, these radio waves into images, and then you need people who are able to interpret and obtain measurements of the properties of of the image. And I am in this last part of this production chain. Um, Once the data is collected and, and calibrated, an image is produced, and then at the end of the day, it is given passed over to people like me and my colleagues with theories who try to make sense of it and, and try to measure whether this is a black hole or not, but it matches our expectations, and what are the measurements we can derive out of this image.
0: And uh, I suppose we should mention that um, what actually is is the Event Horizon Telescope. How does it work?
1: Right, so the, the Event Horizon Telescope um, is not a telescope. <laughs> it is a collection of telescopes. Now, again, because they are so small in on the sky, the only way to see a black hole of that size is by using a telescope, a radio telescope. Um, and I'll explain why you need radio waves and not something else. You need a radio telescope which has sufficient resolution. And when you work out what is the size of this telescope, then you realize that the size of this telescope is of the order of a few thousand kilometers. Now, it's difficult to produce a a radio telescope of that size, but what you can do is you can use a very smart technique that was developed already in the 70s, and it's called radio interferometry. Essentially, you, you create a virtual telescope, which is as large as... The distance between two small telescopes, if you were a- if you are able to put them into an interferometric pattern, in other words, you just take two telescopes, radio telescopes, say, one in France and one uh, um, in um, Chile, and you ask these two telescopes to take uh, the same data, the same to make the same observations, and you collect the data from these two telescopes, and then you put it together and obtain an image as if it was seen by a single telescope as large as the distance between France and Chile. Now, if you think a little bit about this, you may start wonder if there isn't something fishy about all this, right? Because how can this possibly work? Well, there is a trick, um, and the trick is that you really have to make sure you are observing exactly the same wavefront, the same electromagnetic wave as it reaches us. And how do you do this? Well, you measure at the same time the intensity of the electric field. That's what a standard radio telescope does. But at the same time, you have to record the time when you are receiving this electric field. And that's why any of these telescopes has to be monit- has to be uh, using a very sophisticated, very precise atomic clocks so that they can record not only the intensity of the electric field but also the time of the arrival of the electric field. And In this way that you can really do interferometry, it's only in this way that you can be sure that you really have a single virtual telescope. And then you reach these fantastic resolutions of tens of micro arc seconds. <coughs>
0: And you were, as you said, you were involved with the, the sort of theory side of this. So after the image has been taken and um, it, it's been processed together, what? how do you sort of start using that image for, for science and sort of taking that forward?
1: Right. So, um, you know, uh, actually, well before the, the, the image was produced, we, um, we were in charge of, of um, addressing the problem of, how would a black hole look like? Um, And so what we did was we performed a number of simulations. About half of the the simulations that were performed were were performed here in uh, in Frankfurt. And in these simulations, you essentially try to solve uh, two problems at the same time. The first one, you try to understand what happens to matter that is falling onto a black hole. In other words, imagine you take a bucket of water, uh, and you throw it onto a black hole, what, does, what is the dynamics of this water? How does it move? Effectively, we don't throw water, we use, you know, plasma, and um, we have to be careful that the plasma is endowed with strong magnetic fields, and that's why we do simulations of accretion onto black holes using magnetohydrodynamics. In this way, we learn how uh, the density, the temperature, the magnetic field is uh, organized when material falls onto a black hole. And we learn, for instance, that very naturally you tend to produce a jet, an outflow uh, of material where there is a very strong magnetic field, very little matter, and this normally happens in the polar direction of the black hole. However, that's just part of... Of the problem because what we learn in this way is what happens to matter, but what we actually have to understand is what happens to light because this matter is also um, producing light, and how does this light then reach us is a very complicated business in, in, in general activity because light can do very bizarre turns in a curved space time that is, a space time here, you a know, black hole. Just to give you an idea, um, we are looking at each other now through a screen and all I have to do is point my eyes towards the screen because there is light moving on a straight line from the screen over to my eyes. But if we were in a curved space time, you may be behind me and light may be bent in such a way that actually, although you are behind me, your, your light actually reaches me. And so that's what we have to do um, together with these magneto aerodynamic simulations. We have to calculate how does light emitted by this plasma and doing all these bizarre trajectories then actually reaches us. And um, in this way, we can have a realistic view of what is the emission from these objects. And so we have done this for many different conditions because we don't really know what are the physical conditions near black hole. And we had to explore a number of different scenarios where, you know, which differed by the properties of the black hole or the properties of the plasma and so on.
0: And uh, I know that in uh, 2019, we had the first image of uh, a supermassive black hole at the heart of M87. And also last year, the image of our own Milky Way's um, black hole but uh, are there any other um, what what science has has come from those images and sort of what have been the, the latest discoveries that have been made
1: okay so you know first of all we have evidence that in both m87 and in, in our Milky Way there is an object at the center that looks and behaves like a black hole this is um, a very important result in astronomy maybe something that everybody expected but you know now we have an evidence an experimental observational evidence that this idea that at the center of a galaxy there is a supermassive black hole has been shown at least in two cases then you you know we can extrapolate this to the billions of galaxies in the universe but at least for those two we have seen is exactly like that and we also have shown that you know this object um that we that is at the center of, the, of a galaxy uh has all the features and fits perfectly with the predictions of general relativity so once again is a you know the, the, the possibility of having a direct connection with these very bizarre objects that are um predicted by generativity and that so far could not really be nailed down in any convincing manner. If you want, you, you can look at it also in another way. Um, it, you know I am a scientist and all of what I do is based on a principle or a method that was developed uh, many years ago by Galileo Galilei and that's a scientific method which is not applied only to astronomy of course, but to any scientific, uh, knowledge in, in our times and the idea is I have a theory I, or I have um, to explain some phenomenon some physical uh, experiment or some physical phenomenon and then I use an experiment to prove or disprove whether my theory my explanation is correct in the case of black holes this has been very difficult to do because we didn't have an experiment we cannot produce black holes on earth luckily um so all we have is you know observations and these observations were lacking so far so with these observations we have in a way transformed a concept that of the black hole of the event horizon into a testable object it's a very basic first step of the scientific method and that to me is the most valuable contribution of the event horizon telescope we have transformed the event horizon something i write on the blackboard when i teach general relativity over to a testable concept, and that makes a huge difference.
0: And is the Heaven Horizon Telescope the, the observation part of it anyway? I know the data is going to be analysed for, for years to come, but is the actual observational part of it now over, or will there be a, another run or something in the future?
1: Actually, um, you know, the, the, we're far from being having the optimal um, resolution there are many things which can improve. First of all, you know, you've seen our images. They're pretty fuzzy, and uh, that's because the resolution, although it's the best possible and we made a huge jump with whatever done in the past, uh, is still, you know, not good enough for answering some of the questions I personally would like to answer. Is really, is uh, this a black hole? or Because there's still a lot of uh, wiggle room for other interpretations. Can we uh, really be certain Disease black hole uh, as Einstein predicted so in order to answer this question we need better and better um, observations That is what we are carrying out the Einstein telescope as I said doesn't have a telescope as to ask for time to all of the different telescopes which are involved and this is a process we normally undertake by applying for observation time which we normally receive in the spring and uh, we keep Asking this time, and we keep doing observations. So, we have uh, we have made observation in two thousand eighteen, in two thousand and twenty one, in twenty two, and and we hope that these observations will improve. And we actually already know that in some cases that is so. The quality of our of our images. So I think it's you know it's it's um it's going to be a long way. Uh, to be able to answer the questions I was mentioning before, but it's something something that we are doing actively right now.
0: And obviously now that we've, we've taken these images we've done these observations um, but what is why is it so important to, to understand black holes and, and do these kinds of experiments? What can they teach us about, about the universe?
1: So um, well, you know, some of the predictions of this theory are so bizarre and so extreme that um, confirming that would really um, improve enormously the, um, our understanding of physics. So, obviously, you know, knowing more about black holes will not change our lives. Uh, we, we will still have to pay the same bills. Um, but it does address some very important questions about the inner workings of of general relativity. You know, just think about this. General relativity is predicting that there are regions in the universe, all those underneath the event horizon, which are not probable by, in the sense they cannot be probed, by any experiment. Because, um, well, simply because, not because the laws of nature are broken, but because, Whatever happens inside a black hole remains inside a black hole. There is no way for us to find out, at least you know, without resorting to quantum mechanics and the possible evaporation. So in my book, there is a, a dialogue that, fr- that that underlines the frustration a person like me has on this uh, topic. And, the, and so I am creating this virtual dialogue between two. Uh, two observers which are who are outside a black hole a supermassive black hole they are on a safe uh, stable orbit so they are not running any risk about uh, being absorbed by the black hole and and one of them um, um, asks the other so do you know what's inside a black hole and they and, and and the other one answers yes of course I know what is inside a black hole I can explain anything that will happen inside a black hole to a very uh, precise accuracy up until you reach this very center, there you know, my, 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 my laws break out because there is a singularity. But up until there, I can tell you everything. And anyone says, No, 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 I don't think so. Actually, I think inside a black hole, um, black holes are famous for hosting the most delicious ice creams, and in particular, they have all of the flavors that I like most. And the second f- and the first. Uh, person is very frustrated by this statement because he knows that this is wrong, but there is nothing he can do to prove that, he is, uh, that the other person is wrong. Because even though they could both go there inside a black hole and show that there is no ice cream shop, they actually cannot tell anybody. So there are, you know, these aspects are of, of, of really very deeply rooted in what we understand with knowledge and the ability of performing experiments and getting to find out about the laws of nature. That is why it is so important to, to study these objects.
0: Um, and as you mentioned there in your book, uh, The Irresistible Attraction of Gravity, A uh, Journey to Discover Black Holes, um, it's, it's a very big topic. So what, what does the book cover and, and how do you make it you know, accessible to, to some of our listeners at home?
1: Right. So, you know, it's it's difficult to, to make a book which is scientifically correct and yet accessible. So the, the, I've tried my best. And the way I do this is by using analogies. Um, I use a lot of analogies which are derived from, you know, having I had three children and, and all of whom have been exposed to the subtleties of general relativity. Um, and so I, I often come up with uh, simple analogies between our daily experience and what happens near a black hole and and so on and so forth and i hope that this will break uh, a little bit um, will allow people to understand complex uh concept like space-time curvature that you know often are, are are bounced around when talking about black holes and yet are not so difficult to understand if put in the right context
0: it does sound like a a interesting read um the irresistible attraction of gravity by luciano Rizzola is available from march from cambridge press um is it cambridge press or cambridge publishing i've just said that
1: (laughs) cambridge university press cambridge
0: university press let's do that again then does sound like a fascinating read. Uh, the Irresistible Attraction of Gravity by Luciano Rizzola is available from Cambridge University Press in March. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us Luciana. Uh, I know I've learned a lot and um, hopefully some of our listeners have as well so thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much.